there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven. You guys are probably like, if he does this one more time, I swear. If there's like a little red dot on my chest, there's somebody up in the balcony. I'm going to kill him if he does it again. The kingdom of heaven up here and the kingdom on earth, of earth down here. And what, basically, the reason we keep going over it again and again and again is because this is the theme of Jesus' uh, sermon on the mount. He, he goes through all these different parts of our life. You know, the way you, the way you tithe, the way you give. I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want you doing it for men down here. I, I want it to be up here. The way you fast. The way you have your Christian life, uh, Jesus is telling me in this sermon. I, I, you've heard it said, don't, don't commit adultery. Great job, John. You, didn't, you don't commit adultery. Fantastic. I want you up here. I don't even want you lusting. You didn't, you didn't kill anyone this week, John? Fantastic. You're doing great. I, I, I want you up here. I want you not even being angry. See, that's what this whole sermon that Jesus has been preaching has been about. Forget this. Let's be people who live a life that are seeking first his kingdom, and then all these things will be added unto us. I, again, we've kept the same guy. I, I, I love this picture because it always reminds me how distracted I can get. And how when, once I start to look down here, and I'm not seeking his kingdom... I get distracted and I'm focused and then I trip over something and go, how did God allow me to do that? And God's going, you knucklehead. I had cones all around the thing. You didn't see the cones? No, sorry, Lord. So again, another graphic we're going on. Kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. But we only have one allegiance. And so when we're, when we're mixed up in the world and we're trying to do better and, and what happens to our heart is there's this tension that happens of, of, of we, we have part of us wanting to be spiritual. I mean, seriously, guys, everyone here in the sound of my voice, I know a good majority of most of you. I don't even know what that means, a good majority of most of you. So more than half, I guess. Listen, we, we all want to be closer to God, don't we? We, we all want to have a, a life that's fulfilling where it's filled with peace and joy and love and, and, and we're not, up, the, our circumstances don't make any difference. That's where we want to be. So Jesus has been going through uh, some, some of these things and uh, Pastor Tom last week filled in for me and uh, I promised Pastor Tom that I would not draw any attention to him last week. But now it's this week, Right? <laughs> So I just want to give him a round of applause. He hates this. But uh, it really was a blessing. And uh, for those of you who weren't here, please download the podcast. You can go to our website and download it. It was great, great job. Great, great sermon. I loved it, loved it. So uh, review from last week, not last week, but the week before last, because Tom's was last week. Uh, We were talking about how we can judge others and how... um, uh, it, I had a subtitle called Judging Others for Fun and Profit, um, but that didn't go over very well. So uh, I have all of our review here last week. I just want to go through it really quickly uh, because this was the part where God was talking, Jesus is talking about take this log out of your own eye before you can help your brother with the speck. And so we were talking about what that looks like to take the plank out of our own eye. And then we called ourselves Dr. Plankenstein and it was a lot of fun. And uh, 
I still laugh at that, by the way, just internally. Uh, So what we do is we settle on God's standard. If we're going to judge people, right? (laughs) If we're going to judge people, we got to settle on what standard we're going to use to judge. And Jesus was saying, hey, if you're going to judge people by your own standard, you're going to get judged by that standard and it ain't going to work out real great for you. So we settle on God's standard and then we see ourselves to that standard and we go, yikes, I don't make it either. So now when I look at others, I go, hey, you know what? They're sinners just like I am. And so we, 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 we look at God's standard and we say, okay, after we do that, I'm going to submit my life to match that standard. That's getting the plank out of my own eye. I look and I go, man, there's so much stuff I want to work on. Then Jesus commands us, you do judge others, but not in a condemning way, in a loving way to go, hey, dude, can I help you with that speck? That thing you're dealing with, that destructive your, your life has a little bit of destruction and I want to help you get that out. See, it's through love. So we judge others. I mean, that was the whole joke of the sermon was that we judge others, but it's not really judging, it's loving. And so, uh, we, uh, so we had start judging, you know, go ahead. Once you get your life all straightened out, go get them, you know, and uh, we do that in love. And then more often than not, as we're trying to help people, there's a process that it takes them to get, holy and so we we just submit them to god and go lord i'm I'm helping them i'm doing my best but you're the one who's going to have to do this work and so that way it relieves all the stress and stuff so then we move on to this one we're going to see one of the things i love about preaching through a book the reason i preach through a book is not because that's the spiritual way to do it it's because if i had to come up with like a, a series every like six weeks i'd go insane I'm not smart enough to do that, so I have to have God tell me what I'm preaching the next week. It just helps me a lot. Well, one of the things I love about it is that it keeps us in submerged, yeah, in the, in the context of what we're talking about. So we're going to see, because you go judging to this section of Scripture, it doesn't make any sense to next week is the golden rule, and please be here next week. We're going to go over do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How does all that fit together? Well, it does, and it's beautiful. And next week, we'll be wrapping that up. I'll show you how it all works together. But here's the uh, section of Scripture we're going over now. It's a famous section of Scripture. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Then Jesus goes on. He says, which one of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? It's actually an an eel if you want to get super biblical or whatever. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is where Jesus is at. He's, he's talking about asking and seeking and knocking. And we've all been around America long enough to have heard all sorts of sermons on this and all sorts of stuff. Some people use this as the name it and claim it. I'm, I'm going to ask and God's going to do it because I'm going to strong arm him into giving me what I want. Right? I want us to look at this section of scripture this morning in view of relationship. Because right after Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, he goes right into a father-son relationship. And you get the idea 
from when you look at all these different things we've been going over in Matthew, what are we to be asking for? What are we seeking for? What are we knocking for? I guarantee you it's not down here. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Jesus right now is saying, ask him, seek him, knock. He's ready to give you the kingdom. He, remember, right before this, Lord, I pray your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's going, yes. Come to me like a child and I'll give you the kingdom of God. I'll give you the very kingdom of God. More fullness of relationship, more of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see uh, how this all plays out. And this morning, I, got three, I have three points this morning. The first is, ask like you want ice cream. Uh, ask like you want ice cream. My uh, son, Jesse, uh, whom I love dearly, uh, we have gone through the parenting process, uh, and now we're done with him and we're shipping him off. No, uh, we, we, uh, we did our best, and it just ain't working out. No, I'm, I'm kidding around. I love him. But, but what, what's happened from his life and all of our kids, but my girls as well, when they're little babies, they ask like little babies. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they, and they pound on stuff, right? And, and then I have a choice as a, as a father to either, well, I mean, typically I would just in much patience and love say, now, now, you know, just, just because that's the kind of person I am, very patient and loving, uh, I deal with them as a baby, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. You ain't getting ice cream, okay? And as they get older, I begin to change the way I communicate with them. Do I don't change at all, but they're changing and that relationship's changing. And here, here's what I want us to get on this first point. Wherever you are on your journey with Christ, go before him and start asking for stuff. Wherever you are, whether you've never made a decision for God before, go up, go right up to him and say, Lord, I don't understand why my dad died when I was five years old. That sucks. I don't like that. Why, why would you let that happen? He's, he's big enough to handle it. Others are more mature. You go to God in a different way. You, you've kind of gotten through all that. But, my, but the point here is ask. It's like a child. And if you look at my children, you know, so often, guys, we get this idea that when someone has a relationship in, with God, that here they are in their life, you know, living a life for whatever many years, and then they come to God and we load this expectation on them that the next day they should have a Bible in one hand and a bumper stick in there in the other and be like ta-da and they've got it all worked out and because of that we tend to look and go you know i can't go before god i i can't go before him i i'm not like that imagine if i did this with my kids remember the context here is the kingdom of god and children now imagine if my if jesse came up i'm like hey jesse how was your day i can't talk to you right now why not um i'm just not there yet what do you mean you're not there yet? <laughs> get over here. No, I'm, I'm really working some things out. When I get it down, you know, Audrey, oh, she's really, she knows how to talk to you. And I, I, I just, I'm not going to say 
It'd be ridiculous. Right? How, how do I communicate with when they were babies? Do, do, boo, boo, do, do. You know, you're like, woo, baby. You know, all this kind of stuff. Now imagine if Audrey comes home from school and I'm like, Audrey, boo, boo, do, do, boo. She's like, yeah, get away from me. <laughs> Am I changing? No. I haven't changed a bit. Well, I, hopefully I have. <laughs> hopefully I've gotten better. But uh, we have to come to him exactly where we are. And we have to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. It's a present imperative here. Ask and keep on asking. And you say, well, gosh, doesn't that annoy God? No, it doesn't. There you go. Let me show you a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. That's a pretty important lesson. So what is, the, what is the parable that he tells? Well, he says that in a certain town there was a judge. He says he neither feared God nor man. This guy was just all out about himself. And there was a widow. And in those days, if you were a widow, unless someone was taking care of you, you were in pretty bad shape. And so someone was trying to take advantage of this widow. And she went before the judge and says, I, you've got to give me justice. And he's yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I don't have time for you. And so she begins to show up all the time. Now, I don't know, it does, the parable doesn't go in, into it, but you get the idea that you know, he's, at, he's at a restaurant, all of a sudden she comes walking, and oh, there you are. When are you going to be in your office tomorrow? I need to talk to you. Oh, gosh. Or he's out at the movies and ding, ding, ding. What? What? Hey, remember, we've got to go over my justice thing. She's just nagging him. And finally he says this. This is awesome. Uh, Jesus telling the story. He says, even though I don't fear God or, or care about man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Right? She's just bugging me. Now, watch what Jesus says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, guys, there's this evil judge, and even he was bugged into giving the girl what he wants. This is a loving father who cares about justice and will give you what you need. And what, oftentimes what happens is we go before God and we begin to ask for something. It doesn't matter what it is. Whether we're little babies and we're like, I want more money, God, or we're super mature in our life and we say, you know, I would like to lead 20 people to Christ today. You know, whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum. And we ask, and then we're done. And that's it. And what we're going to see as we continue uh, this morning is it's not the answer that's that important. It's the relationship. See, with Jesse, he keeps asking me for ice cream or dessert or whatever. And I keep telling him, no, it's right before dinner or whatever, whatever it is. Now, at some point, it becomes disobedience after I've already given my answer. We'll get into that, but... This process of, of relating and I answer and he asks and I answer and he asks and I answer. And I'm telling you, you guys know, for those of you who have kids, kids will just not stop asking questions. Why is the sky blue? I, you know, I don't know, because something reflects off. I don't know. It's blue because God made it blue. Whew, got through that one. Why did God make it blue? I don't know, because he wanted to. Why did he want to? Because you're going to get disciplined right now. That's why he wanted to. <laughs> 
He was mad at you for some reason. Anytime you see the sky blue, it means God's mad at you. There you go. There. Now, will you leave me alone? Okay. Right? God isn't that way. He wants us to keep coming and coming and coming and coming so that he can mold us and shape us and bring justice into our lives, bring a rightness into our lives. So he brings that example up. We just keep coming to him. And, he, and Jesus gives this example. There's who's going to give his son, if his son asks for bread, the right thing to ask for, he's going to give him a stone. I got this picture up here of this guy in Israel. That's a limestone he's holding in his hand. Uh, and that's a piece of bread, probably the lo- uh, much like the loaf they would have there. They're very similar looking. And oftentimes we're asking for God, two things happen. One, we're actually asking for the stone. We're asking for something that's going to hurt us. And God's like, no, I know what you're saying, but listen, this is what you really need. Other times we're asking for bread and what he gives us, we're like, oh, thanks a lot for the stone, God. That's really great. I appreciate that. I asked for a raise and you give me this thing, you know. You give me more work to do. Thanks a lot. And Lord's like, no, trust me, it's bread. So we get into this idea of relationship. Now, I want to give us three things very quickly that can get in the, that, that are prerequisites for our asking. One is obedience. Obedience. Oftentimes, my kids will come to me and say, Dad, can I go play at the park? And I say, did you clean your room? Like I ask. Like all bets are off until we get the room cleaned. Now, God doesn't save us according to that. We don't have to get our lives all straightened out and then approach him. Okay? We don't live our lives that way where, oh man, I'd go and ask the Lord if I could get this, but I, I, if I let a... We don't do that. We, we're always at, we ask and we keep on asking, but something that can get in the way is obedience. We've got to be obedient with the answers he's already given us. I'll bet most of us in here, we could stop learning right now everything we know in the Bible and just we still wouldn't obey what we know. <laughs> we can keep on learning all we want, but w- there needs to come a time when we put it into action. 1 John 3.22 says, and we will, receive him, uh, we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. So we have this life of obedience and we begin to ask the Lord and he begins to guide us and shape us and we start down this journey with him. Secondly, we need to ask according to God's will. A lot of times we're not getting what we want because it's not in accordance with God's will. Well, then you say, well, why even ask? It's like if all you're going to get is God's will, he's going to do his will. So what do I need to ask? Relationship. This is the confidence we have approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we will have what we asked of him. There's an asking and a hearing and a responding and us hearing. There's a relationship in this asking. Yes, God knows, but we, we, it, he's, what ends up happening is when we ask him for something that's not in his will, what does he give us? His will. He says, no, no, no. I, I don't know if you've ever prayed over a long period of time and the way you started to pray and the way you ended praying was totally different. Have you ever done that where you, you've been praying about something, praying about something, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's one specific thing. And then by the time you get done, you're praying for something totally different, and you're like, yeah, no, that's what the Lord wants me praying for. That's what he does in this relationship. 
Thirdly, we pray for God's glory. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. These are questions we need to ask ourselves when we're asking God. Lord, is this something that's in your will? Is this, is this, uh, is there anything holding my life back right now? Is there something you need me to do before we can work on this section here that I want to do? Is, is, do you even want me doing this? Do you, what do you want? That, that's what happens as we ask and we keep on asking. I'm telling you, we begin to mature. If we ask and stop, oh yeah, I asked God to do that. He didn't do it and we're done. We, we've never matured. There's a process in there. It's a beautiful process. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you don't get anything. Why? Because you're asking for selfish motives that you might spend it on your pleasures. I have to ask myself, when I go before God, all the time, all the time, Lord, I want, this, I want the church to grow. That, that's a fair thing. I want people to come to Christ. I want the church, I want everyone to learn more of the scriptures and have a lifestyle that's, that's obedient and holy. But I have to ask myself, well, is there another part of that? Do I want the church to grow for me? Because it makes me feel more comfortable or it might... I, I got to go before the Lord with that stuff. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale. These principles are the same. Ask and keep asking. Keep going before your Father and watch how you mature. Look at this. This is how much Paul's prayers have matured. Okay? Look what he's asking for here. I keep asking, he says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what's on Paul's heart. I don't know where Paul was early in his, in his journey of Christ, but now he's going, oh, Lord, would you just help them to grow up? Please, I keep asking. That's where Paul is. An example to us. I want to show you what the writer of Hebrews says here. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. All of my kids, no matter what age they've ever been, have approached me with confidence. Little baby, all the way up to Audrey, who's now 14. Why? Because I love them. They know that. And look what happens. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen. The ability to ask is more important than the answer. Sometimes we get so caught up in the answer. We're so focused on the answer. Oh, I want this, I want this. And we forget that we have this ability to go before the living God with confidence, no matter where we are in this journey. God doesn't say, well, you know what, dude? I'll tell you what. Why don't you get more mature and then knock on my door a year from now? We can't get mature unless we're going before him constantly. So we ask, we ask like we're asking for ice cream. It doesn't matter what it is. We just go, Lord, I want this. And he goes, well, you know what? Not right now. Let me tell you why. And then and we begin. So you say, well, well, how do I know what I need to obey in or what I need to, uh, what is his will? Or what brings him glory? How do I know that? Well, we go to seek. And we seek like we lost our keys. Have you ever lost your car keys? 
If you want to see me at my absolute worst, come over to my house when I've lost my car keys. Because it just makes no sense to me. My car's in the driveway. The keys are here. They're here somewhere. They can only be so many places. And I don't know if you're like me, but I start like taking uh, the couch apart, you know, look at everything. I go through like a wrecking ball. Where are the keys? Where are my keys? I start blaming people. Honey, where'd you put my keys? <laughs> right? They're right, they're right where you left them, sweetie. Oh, killer, right? So upset, looking for those keys. I know I had them. So what do I do? I go back and I retrail. Okay, okay, I, got, I was in my car and I took them out of the ignition. Oh, here they are in the ignition. I didn't take them out of the ignition, you know, or whatever, you know. You go through, you retrace your steps and, and you're looking, they're still not showing up. And then finally there they are on, on the bathroom counter. What are they doing there? I didn't go to the, oh, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Now, what happens when you find your keys? You're just happy. You don't care that it looks like someone just robbed your house. You got drawers dumped out all over the place. You found your keys. This is how we seek God's kingdom. Now, listen, what I want us to understand, all these things, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, they're all happening at the same time. You can't ask and keep on asking If you're supposed to keep on asking, there's no end to that. So there's no time to really start seeking. You have to do it all at the same time. And we'll get into how this, what this looks like in a little bit. But the idea is we are constantly asking and we're constantly looking. What does the Lord have for this moment? Lord, I want a new job. We wait, oh, okay, I'll turn in my resume and see what happens. Oh, nothing. God must have said no. There's so much more than just the answer. It's the process of maturity of going, Lord, what do you have for me? What what, what could possibly be going on here that might be kingdom? It's hidden. Look at this. Colossians 3.1 says this. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, in other words, if you have this relationship with God, if you're asking all the time, if you know him, if you know him, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the God. So we're asking him, we're going, Lord, is this it? Is this your kingdom? What's happening here? Check this verse out. So Jesus is in the same section of scripture. Um, uh, well, let, let me move on. Here, let me show you this. In Matthew thirteen forty four, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's like treasure hidden in a field. Don't you, if you're like me, I don't want it hidden in a field. I want it labeled and categorized in my office so I just go, oh man, I need peace. Do, do, do. Ah, here we go. Mmm, tasty. Oh, I have peace. That's what I want. I'm an American. I want 40 different kinds of peace, and then I'll look and decide which one I want. I don't want it hidden in a field. But what is the hiding process? Again, relationship. When we lived in Lakewood, we used to have uh, these Easter egg hunts every year for the kids in our neighborhood. And so you'd put the Easter eggs out, and uh, there were two. We'd have to, we had to have two Easter egg hunts, one for ages like zero through four or whatever, and then, you know, five through 
35. I don't know who that guy was. But, uh, and so you watch the Easter egg hunt. You get the little kids. They got their bag, and they're just like, dee, 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 looking for the Easter egg. It's like, dude, it's right there in front of your face there. Now, you watch the parents. What are they doing? Can you find an Easter egg? It might be over here. Look down there. You know, finally the kids are like, ah! And what happens? What happens? They found that Easter egg. And they see it. Their eyes open up. I found it, Mommy. And, you know, now what mom or dad goes, you know you didn't, stupid? I did. You were over there. You almost ran into the street. But I came over here and I, what? So that, forget you. Right? What happens? No, you're super excited for the kid. Gary, you found an Easter egg. Now give me the candy out of it because you ain't going to eat it. But you found the Easter egg. And so this is is what it's like. And then you watch the older kids. And it's just how fast they can get. I mean, they're just crazy. They're like rabid animals. Just grabbing, and they fill their thing up. Sometimes that's the church. Sometimes the more mature people, they can see the kingdom everywhere. They just grab it all. You know, some churches are like that. Oh, we, oh this is awesome. This is so great. Forget there's a whole world out there that's got empty Easter bags. And so God says, listen, I want this to be a process of discovery, of you coming before me and asking and asking and asking and keeping your eyes open and going, oh, I found the kingdom. Lord, I know what you're saying now. And he's like, yeah, you think so? You found it? Good for you. <laughs> right? And then we begin to mature and, and, and things don't sidetrack us so much. And we're, we got our eyes open and we're able to locate it faster and faster. I love, one of the things I love about Easter egg hunts is when you see that one kid who's got his bag full of eggs and you watch him go into the little kids and he's just kind of, putting them in a bag. I got enough. I, I love that. I love that. That is the church. That is the church. We get filled up. We go before and we ask and we ask and we ask. We keep on asking. We're seeking. And the more of the kingdom is fulfilled, fulfilled in our lives. And then we don't just harbor it and hold it. We go, hey, let me share some of this with you. Because we trust that God's going to provide us more Easter eggs. <clears throat> So where was I? Oh, yeah, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. <laughs> when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the kingdom. We, we find it up here, and we go, I don't care what it costs down here. That's what I want. So we begin to change our lives. As we seek and we see the kingdom, we catch those pearls. We go, this might cause me drinking. The Lord might take that away from me. This might cause me some relationships. This might cause me some money. This might cause me, uh, cost me some time. Co- yeah. Cost is what I wanted in that entire sentence. Everywhere I said cost. It might cost me all these things. I don't care. I found the kingdom. I see the way God's working. Doesn't that just tear you up? Oh. 
One of the things Jesus says before he sends out the, uh, his disciples, I can't wait till we get this in Matthew chapter uh, 9. But he says, hey, ask, the harvest is plentiful. He's looking out, he's got compassion. He's like, there's so much work to be done. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And then the very next word, he says, go. He's like, get involved in this so that you can sense the need of what you're going to be asking for. There's a seeking part. I want you in the kingdom. I want you working. I want you serving. I want you doing stuff so that you'll go, Lord, we need this bad. And he says, I know that's what I'm talking about. So many times we sit in the asking part, just wanting this checklist to be set out. I know I do. When really, once we get into the seeking mode, those things kind of just become nothing. So we seek like we lost our keys. We go crazy. And again, these things don't happen in in a vacuum or in order. You don't ask, and when you get it, then you start seeking. You're asking and seeking. It's all the development of a relationship with God. Third, we, we knock like someone's chasing us. We knock like someone's chasing us. Do you guys ever seen a horror movie where they, where the you know the per, per, <clears throat> the person's running from the monster, and or whatever? Uh, I don't watch horror movies just not because I don't. I mean, some of them are just flat out evil, and we shouldn't be watching them. But I just don't like. Why would you pay money to be scared? I don't. I've never like I I can be scared for free, really. You know, just look in the mirror when I get out of the shower or something. Frightening, right? I don't pay to cry either, so I don't go to sad movies. Like, I can cry over stuff for free. Anyway, I don't know why I got sidetracked on that. But so you got this monster coming, Dr. Plankenstein, we'll call him, right? And he's got this big plank in his eye, got the bolts coming out, right? And you always see the lady, she's, or man, or whatever, they're banging on the door. Let me in, uh, Dr. Plankenstein's coming after me. And they they always trip, and then they go to the next person, and the next person, no one's answering the door. This is how we knock. We bang on God's door. You say, what in the world are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, Jesus talks about this in the same section of Scripture in Luke that we're studying right now in Matthew. He just got over the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that whole thing. And then he goes into this. He says, well, let, let, me, let me just, I, I forgot this verse. Someone is chasing you, by the way. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Make no mistake, there is a Satan, and he does not like you at all. He wants the destruction of your soul. And he wants you to be ineffective if you're a believer. And so there is someone attacking us. The battle we have is not against flesh and blood. This is a serious battle. Remember we said we have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. They are at war together. So Satan's after us. Our flesh is after us. So here's what, here's what Jesus says. He says, suppose you have a friend and it's late at night and you go and you bang on his door because someone showed up at your house and they needed some bread. Like, so the traveler came. And this time, you have to understand the context. At this time, hospitality in their culture was very important. So if someone showed up, you fed them. You, they could just stay no matter what. Not so much with me. Like, 
if you want to stay over at my house, I'd, I'll, I'll get you to a hotel or something. I don't want you sleeping at my house. So, uh, so it's, it's different back then. It was, it was, you could just show up at someone's house. I could just knock on your door and say, hey, guys, how you doing? Um, you mind if I crash on your couch? Now, what I love about this church is this is really kind of who we are. I mean, I was joking about the hotel. But, I, like, we do this kind of stuff all the time. I see it with the youth all the time. Some kid will just, like, hang out at some, somebody's house and just spend the night and no big deal. It's the same back here. So what happened was, at, in the midnight, some travelers came, and this guy needed bread. He was out of bread. So he, he bangs on his door, and here's what the guy says. The ins- inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he was his friend, yet because of the man's boldness. This word boldness is only used once in Scripture. And it's shamelessness. He's shameless about it. He doesn't care if he wakes up the neighborhood. He needs that bread. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Have you ever met anybody like that? Like, have you ever been in a conversation? I, I'm, I tend to be, my personality is, while I'm talking to someone, I'm, I'm kind of aware of what's going on. So if I'm talking to someone and someone's walking, I'll go, hey, move over. They need to get by, all that. Have you ever been with someone who has no clue of their surroundings? And they're just yelling or they're going, you know, the other day. And you're going, dude, dude, mellow out. Okay? You're making too much ruckus. That's this word. You're sh- the guy is shameless. He's waking everybody up. And the guy's like, I got to go help this guy or else he's just going to wake everybody up. Now watch what Jesus says. I tell you, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then Jesus says, so ask, seek, and knock. Get a relationship with God where you desire the kingdom in such a way you don't care what you look like. You bang on the door, wake up all the neighbors, whatever. Now again, don't, that doesn't mean we get a, well, maybe the Lord's asking you to, but it doesn't mean the more obnoxious we are in our faith, the more spiritual we are. You guys know me. You know that's not what I would say. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying either. Why does Jesus bring this up? Why does he bring this process up of, of, of banging on the door and making a ruckus? Because Jesus wants us to get this process down. We're always asking. We're always seeking. We're always knocking. No matter what it costs, we want more of God. And if it's our sin holding us back, we do whatever we can to live a life that's, that's more holy. No matter what, well, uh, you know, but we've been living together for five years now. And it's, it, stop it. Don't let anything get in the way of this relationship with God. Because the, uh, the sin will just stop the relationship cold. You can't get, move on beyond that. Does he still love us? Yes. So we have this process of asking and seeking and, and banging on the door, like going, Lord, I, I need you. I can't do this on my own, is what this banging is. I got nothing. This guy had no bread. He needed bread. He had nothing. God, this, his friend, had to do something. 
Jesus talks about knocking. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Relationship. Knocking is relationship. Think about it. When you knock on a door, what are you doing? You're communicating. I would like to talk to you. Is anybody home? I'm outside. Okay, that's what you're doing. Okay. Sorry. Look what happened when Jesus knocked on the door here. He's obedient. He's, when the, all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. Jesus would lift it. When we see Andrew baptized, Andrew's taking a step of obedience. He's saying, I want the Lord. I don't care that I'm sitting under a cross and some weird pastor is dunking me under water. I don't care. I want more of God. It's my public declaration. Wake up, everybody. I need God. That's what he's saying. That's what baptism is. Baptism is, is, a, is our death. We die to this part and we're raised to walk up here. That's the declaration Andrew just made. He was banging on the door. He didn't care that he got up and he was dripping wet. Who cares? I need you, God. And I don't care how much attention it brings. Nothing's going to get in my way. See, we tend to knock. There's different kinds of knocks. There's like the trick-or-treat knock. And some of us are there in our faith. We, we knock on the door and we're like, okay, Lord, trick-or-treat. Give me something good to eat. When I was a kid, uh, we went to a house one time and I, we said trick-or-treat. And the guy did a trick. Uh, and, and, and we're like, oh, that's cool. Where's the candy? And he said, no, you said trick or treat and i gave you a trick and i'm like really so we egged this house uh <laughs> so the takeaway from that is make sure you got lots of good candy so no we 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 didn't egg, egg his house so uh anyway so there's that kind of thing lord just i want this and i want that and i'm and then i'm gonna trade with these people and there we go i'm all happy there's the traveling salesman knock right when the lord opens you're like do I have a plan for you, Lord? What I'd like to show you is if I were to get this job, I'll actually give more. And you can see profits here would be up for you. And then I've also got this other thing. I'll lead many more people to Christ because I'll drive a BMW and they'll respect me more. And what do you think? Wait, no, don't close the door yet. I got some other things here. We present our thing to God like, so what do you think? You can buy right now, right? With three easy installments. But then there's the other knock. We had some company over on Friday night. We prepared the house. My barbecue wasn't working. That was another story. But when they knocked, it was like, hey, come on in. What did we want? We wanted relationship. They weren't there for anything else other than relationship. And, and that's how we knock for God. Look at what Jeremiah says. We're going to end with this. If the worship team wants to come up. That would be fantastic. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now check this out. This is a famous verse and we usually tend to tune out on these. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, wait a minute now. What's God saying? God's saying, I know the plans I have for you. I got it under control. I'm your heavenly father. I understand what you need. 
I know the plans I have for you. I, I know what I have for you. And oftentimes we go before God and we don't really trust him. This is why Jesus says, it, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the world? Will, will he find people that really believe that God has their best interests in mind? Do we really believe that? Faith is not necessarily believing that God's going to answer exactly the way you want. That's not faith. Faith is trusting the answer. See, my, my girls can say, Dad, I want, I want to go to the slumber party. But I know that that house has a creepy dad in it, and they ain't going to the slumber party. And they can ask in faith all they want and believe all they want that they're going to that slumber party. And they can plan and they can bang on the door and they can do anything they want. Where the faith comes is when they say, you know what, Dad? I, I know you're looking after my best interests. I understand. And, and maybe that's the key to go, you know what? That's very mature. Let me explain to you what's going on. And there's what happens. Relationship. We're going to, uh, ne- next week we're going to be talking about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I, I would encourage you guys to be back for that because it, it's going to be great. And we're going to tie all this in, judging others and asking and seeking and knocking and uh, doing unto others. We are in love. We are in love. We are in love.